and we're live. Welcome to The Interop. My name is Sebastian Cuchillo. The Interop is all about exploring the decentralized economic networks that make up the interchain. And today I'm here with Hung Lee, who is the CEO of Crescent Network. Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, thank you for having me here. Yeah, uh, well, thanks so much for coming on. I know it's late in Korea, uh, but yeah, we've got lots to talk about and uh, really interested in diving deep into Crescent. So like, Crescent is a project that like obviously being in the Cosmos space, like, you know, I've, I've noticed, I've, I've like seen around, like I've been on the app, like had a little bit of tokens in the airdrop, but it, it's a project that I realized, um, especially when we were chatting uh, in Korea, because we, we met uh, in Korea a couple weeks ago, that mm-hmm. it, I think that I, I, I only kind of knew on the surface. And uh, I, you know, in, in chatting with you, I realized that there was a lot to this project that I, I hadn't really, um, that I, I hadn't learned about. And so I wanted to get you on the podcast to dive deep into, you know, Crescent, uh, mm-hmm. but also like your hybrid AMM order book model. Um, and then beyond that, there's all sorts of interesting things that we can talk about, including, uh, you know, like cross-chain DeFi, um, you know, liquid staking, governance, yes. and a lots more, because you've been in the Cosmos space for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your journey and, you know, starting from way in the <laughs> beginning uh, and, mm-hmm. and how you got to, you know, building Crescent. Yeah. Uh, we started our uh, team way back in uh, 2018, March. Uh, before that, I was like a market maker and arbitrage trader uh, for 10 years in uh, traditional finance. And then we created this company uh, to uh, uh, participate in the blockchain ecosystem. So like uh, my first journey was actually Ethereum to do some uh, DeFi product for uh, fund management. Uh, and there are like several uh, projects such as like Economy or like Mellonport. But, you know, there, there are no uh, good decks at the time. There's no re- liquidity. There's no DeFi product to be connected. So it's like uh, creating a fund is almost impo- impossible because there is no decks to trade tokens. So yeah. uh, at that moment, like creating fund is impossible, but also like uh, the gas fee is too expensive and everything was very inefficient in Ethereum. So we uh, started to research on uh, Cosmos after three years, uh, uh, three months from our company creation. And then uh, we, I just like uh, fell in love with it. Uh, I love the uh, community also. Uh, I love the vision to have like millions of blockchain. That is the obvious future because yeah. there are lots of like uh, different uh, project and teams and community uh, who are like not friend each other. So they want their own uh, sovereignty and they want their own independency. So like different companies, different community builds different blockchain and those blockchain need to be connect each other. So like uh, millions of blockchain is a very obvious feature I saw in 2018. So since then I, I was like deep in Cosmos and still, I mean, so uh, we are like uh, Cosmos OG uh, providing the com- contribution for the network, uh, participating in validators, but also uh, participating in research and development for DeFi modules. So we collaborated with uh, Tendermint and ICF to create different kinds of modules or contribution to Tendermint and Cosmos SDK. 
finally we built uh, Gravity Dex on Cosmos Hub. And this yeah. is uh, finally we decided to migrate this to our own chain, app chain, which is Crescent Dex. And now this Crescent Dex has a hybrid Dex feature with ranged liquidity. And then we are expanding uh, to more uh, functionality called uh, Crescent Boost, which will connect uh, different DeFi in different blockchains. So multi-blockchain DeFi gateway. Cool, cool. Yeah, and I mean, th this company that you're you're this, that you were talking about, like this this company that you were working at uh, early in the early days of Cosmos was Bee Harvest. Yeah, and um, you know, I remember like you know when when the Cosmos Hub chain first launched, Bee Harvest being you know one of the you know kind of dashboards that I would go to to get information mm -hmm. about like you know like the chain, like you had a block explorer, I think, and yeah. I. I think perhaps at some point I was probably staking my atoms with you guys. So like, you know, you're, you're, de you're definitely part of the, you know, like the, the cosmos community, like early on. And I think, you know, the, this, um, this group of validators that were part of the, uh, you know, the incentivized test net and like the, yeah. the game of game of stakes and everything. Um, what was it like being there like in the early beginnings and, you know, what's changed? It, it, do, do you think that, do you think that there's been like a, a huge shift uh, in vision or has it stayed pretty much the same since then, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, at that time I, I was really enjoying working uh, for this uh, community. Uh, so like, uh, it, it was like uh, my first time like working uh, more than 12 hours per day, but still happy to do more work. Uh, so I was like, like uh, more like a, uh, get into this community, uh, talk about the fu future of Cosmos and uh, participate in many activities. So like uh, still nowadays, uh, if I see like those like OG people, uh, uh, even though I met them like just one time, uh, like say three years ago, still it feels very uh, strange and uh, weird, uh, but it, it feels really good because we were in the same sp uh, space like virtual space four years ago. So like, that is a very special moment for me. So that is a very excited time, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's been a really exciting time. You know, I think, mm -hmm. um, I think like Cosmos is, is, is definitely going through, you know, has, has been through its paces. And I wonder, you know, I, I, I have this, this kind of, um, this kind of, I don't know if you want to call it a theory or a thesis, but, I feel like Cosmos is entering like a new phase in its development. And I'm reluctant to use Cosmos. I try to use Interchain as much as possible just because I feel like that, I feel like yeah. um, that term is more appropriate to describing like the future. And really, really this is it, right? There's like, there's there's the Cosmos era and then there's the Interchain era. Mm -hmm. And the, the Cosmos era was, um, you know, I would qualify it as uh, like, the, the, the time during which obviously the Cosmos Hub was launched, but then a time also during which lots of app chains were launched. Many app, many of those app chains, you know, led by you know, folks who are close to the Tendermint team, close to the Cosmos team, perhaps, you know, also people who left to build their own thing. And that's kind of the Cosmos era. And, and then IBC came on. And the, the, the time in which we're entering now is the interchain era, where there's all sorts of new infrastructure being built that 
you know, isn't tied to this, this cosmos era. You know, you have things like, um, uh, things like Evmos that, you know, of course, like, you know, Fede worked over at, um, at Tenement, but Evmos is opening up cosmos to yeah. the entire EVM space. And then you have like totally new teams that are coming in like, mm-hmm. um, uh, like Polymer and Penumbra yeah. and uh, Composable Finance who are trying to expand, you know, the functionalities of the interchain even further. And yeah. So, you know, do, do you see this also or, or like, are, are there more divisions to, you know, to this, uh, to this kind of yeah, timeline yeah, of yeah. the interchain? Yeah. So like uh, way back, like in three years ago, uh, we, we lived in the Cosmos ecosystem. So we didn't see much, uh, we, we saw the activities around like, uh, Ethereum and other uh, layer one uh, blockchain ecosystems, but still our activities are uh, closely, uh, tightly uh, connected each other within the Cosmos ecosystem. But there are like not much like activity from outside. Uh, but now we now see a lot of ecosystem outside Cosmos. Uh, so this Cosmos ecosystem is still very small. But still, uh, if you see like Solana, if you see like Polygon, or if you see like Ethereum, uh, we see a, a much larger uh, ecosystem uh, having more interest in uh, Cosmos and interchain, inter-blockchain communication. So I think this is really exciting uh, time right now for Cosmos ecosystem uh, to uh, invite a lot of like different ecosystem from different blockchain uh, so that this like uh, mix of other uh, uh, external ecosystem combine into Cosmos to become more like in, inter-blockchain ecosystem. So I think this is very trending and uh, uh, exciting time for Cosmos. Yeah, I think so too. I think right now is probably like one of the most exciting times in the space. And, you know, one thing that it gets me really excited about what, you know, the, the next year or two, and in, in a lot of ways, I think that, you know, in in the same way that IBC launching about a year, you know, just over a year ago or going live, created all of this innovation and all like this kind of Cambrian explosion of of apps and innovation in this in in the interchain. What we should expect this year, I think, will even you know expand it even more broadly. So you know, interchain accounts, interchain security, interchain queries, all of these new exciting new uh, paradigms and features. What are the things that you're most interested about, uh, you know, in the next year, and uh, where do you think it's going to take us? Um, so uh, our focus on on the ecosystem, especially interchain ecosystem, is that uh, we are going to connect different DeFi in different blockchain. That is uh, what we are focusing right now. So uh, from our team, uh, our uh, purpose and goal is. Uh, for the users to have a convenient gateway for users to connect to different devices uh, without re- uh, researching or like uh, reaching out to different blockchains, uh, multiple blockchains. So uh, I think uh, there are different devices in different blockchain, uh, obviously from Ethereum, but also in other blockchains. And uh, if you if we want to like use this like uh, different products within one uh, ecosystem, then there should be like better connectivity like uh, IBC or bridge uh, so that we can rely on 
So this connectivity issue will be a core thing for the uh, near future uh, expansion of connectivity. Uh, and also like uh, tokenization of all these kind of like uh, complex DeFi uh, will be another key issue because like tokenization gives us standardization of any position so that we can uh, create more finance upon it. So like this is like an ETF in stock exchange. So uh, ETF creates a lot of like new financial uh, utilities because everything is same, same ETF. So uh, we can standardize everything, uh, risk and return and other uh, aspects. So I think uh, we are uh, focusing on this um, connectivity, uh, standardization, and like a vertical integration of multi-chain DeFi. So this is uh, we are focusing on. Uh, so you're muted, I think. Right. Uh, so so let's let's dive in. Let's dive into that. Um, Crescent. I, I I think I would describe it as a a hybrid AMM and order book Dex. There, there's you know it turns out there's lots more to Crescent than just you know this very simple explanation. Um, you know, talk about why uh, what like what's the vision for for Crescent and. What, what is it that what, why is it interesting to to essentially merge this traditional market structure which is an order book and a more uh, novel automated um, uh, exchange mechanism which you know like bio accounts was invented a couple of years ago and you know what's it why is that so the holy grail for uh, for building a dex so let me explain this as a historical context so uh, at first, before uh, blockchain, there was uh, order book. So uh, every most of the uh, exchange in traditional finance, they use order book to trade uh, different uh, assets. So uh, after blockchain, uh, they tried to uh, create a DEX uh, with order book on Ethereum, but obviously it is like practically impossible uh, because of the gas. Uh, cost and the performance of the blockchain is too low. So uh, it was impossible. Uh, they had some service, but it was like off chain. So uh, there was no decentralization from blockchain. So uh, it was failed. And then like 2020, uh, this Uniswap uh, came out uh, to provide different kind of uh, uh, DEX uh, uh, utility. So uh, it creates a different innovation which is that uh, it is, I think like, uh, like uh, efficiency of gas cost is not an important thing in this context, but uh, that was the practical reason. But another reason is that uh, the only market maker, uh, uh, order book side uh, market making was only participated from professional market maker. So this was very close competition within very big market makers and they are having uh, all the market share in the world, uh, having this uh, market making business. Uh, but this uh, Uniswap AMM uh, opens this like participation opportunity to anyone so that if you have any like Ethereum and other assets, then you can just deposit into pool to get this like trading fee from these uh, participants. So you can become an exchange itself. So like Binance, if you see Binance, and the Binance is the exchange, 
Binance gets all the uh, trading fee, and then it can be a little bit shared by um, market makers, but still or in the individual participants cannot participate on this activity. But in Uniswap, uh, Uniswap itself is not an exchange. Uh, exchange is like liquidity provider who are uh, taking all the uh, transaction fee. Uh, so they're getting revenue from their providing liquidity. So this is like a democratization of market making participation uh, to the world so that uh, anyone can participate in, the, in this activity. But still uh, this AMM uh, functionality has a very restricted freedom uh, for market makers to participate in the market uh, because this uh, constant product model uh, restrict users to uh, provide liquidity with a predefined algorithm. But the order book provide maximized uh, freedom for market maker to provide liquidity with their own strategy. So this is like big uh, difference uh, for this freedom. So uh, order book has a, a good uh, point uh, about the freedom of market maker strategy. And AMM has a, a advantage to open this participation uh, for the users. And uh, recently, last year, Unisub opened uh, uh, concentrated liquidity, which is like Unisub version three. And uh, now SushiSub is following uh, with their uh, new product, uh, Trident. And so this will be going on with like other uh, AMM also uh, to uh, make it more efficient. So this AMM is uh, in, uh, evolving to better uh, uh, utility right now. So uh, this AMM has its uh, advantage to open this participation for individuals and market maker can have more freedom on the order book. So obviously they have each, each of their advantages. So uh, losing one of them is like having a half uh, feature for the DEX. Uh, so uh, we decided to have all of this in one DEX so that we can take the advantage from both uh, innovation. So uh, that was the original uh, concept for Gravity Dex. So actually we didn't open the order book UI for Gravity Dex uh, way back ago, but still the Gravity Dex uh, backend code base uh, include, already include uh, the order book feature within it. So it was already a hybrid Dex, but it was too innovative. So we couldn't uh, open it from start. But now uh, with Crescent, we can move faster so we can open this uh, functionality. So uh, April this year, we launched our blockchain. And then uh, July, after three months, we have a great big upgrade uh, with uh, opening the order book UI and also range liquidity, which is similar to Unisub version three. So we evolved our uh, AMM, but also uh, included our order book UI so that users can use the this like freedom of market participation. Okay, so so essentially, you know, you're saying like the the Gravity Dex backend, um, which people might also know as Emerus, which was a project that was um, being stewarded by Tendermint, Ignite, and mm -hmm. you know, sort of branched off to become its own project to become Crescent. Uh, that that backend had an order book um, yeah. mechanism in place. Yeah. And also an AMM mechanism. What yeah. what's the interplay between these two functionalities? How how do they practically 
work together to form, you know, sort of like the Crescent decks. Mm -hmm. And I, from a user perspective, like when a user interacts with an order book decks, mm -hmm. you know, they know what they're looking at. They're looking at like an order book and there's like, you know, buy orders and sell orders. And yeah. it's like, that's an order book decks. And then when you look or, or an order book exchange, mm -hmm. and then when you're looking at an AMM, well, you know, that looks like two, right? It's like, here's a token you want to swap for this one. And that interface, I think, was kind of pioneered like way back yeah. in the day by Shapeshift and then yeah. later by Uniswap. But mm -hmm. what what does it look like when, you know, what's what what's the uh, user experience when you, you integrate both of those things together? Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, I can explain uh, uh, this hybrid DEX as a order book based DEX uh, with uh, with liquidity from AMM uh, participating on the order book as a participant. So uh, you can imagine uh, like you have like uh, three different pools uh, for one pair. Then for each pair, we have one order book. And yeah. within one order book, uh, there are three different pools uh, providing liquidity on this order book. Uh, so if they provide uh, this, like one of each uh, pool providing uh, liquidity on order book by placing like multiple limit orders on the order book. So if you uh, connect to our website, you can see the order book there. And then if you see the order book, then you can see like very similar amount of orders like in each tick uh, so that uh, uh, users can uh, trade on. So this liquidity is coming from AMM. So AMM is like a person uh, participating in order book, like a uh, market maker machine uh, on the order book so that they can place all this order uh, based on the uh, constant, constant product model from uh, Uniswap. So uh, they just provide this liquidity like a machine uh, with their uh, predefined order uh, algorithm. So this is like uh, uh, order book. So basically this is just the order book, but AMM provide liquidity onto order book. Mm. So, so essentially you, you have the, the order book, the AMM, uh, the AMM liquidity pools are fulfilling orders in mm. the order book. So it's like a set you, so you have, you have individual buyers and sellers that are matching those orders. You have yeah. you know, potentially market makers and more professional mm -hmm. actors that are also matching those orders mm -hmm. and, and looking to, you know, profit on the spread or like yeah. participate in arbitrage. But then you also have the AMM, uh, the AMMs and the, in the liquidity pools that are fulfilling orders in the order book as yeah. a sort of, yeah, like an, an order, an automated market maker, yeah, the same way market that you would have like yeah. a professional market maker. Yeah. Well, yeah. What's the impact on the price, like, in on price discovery, and how mm -hmm. how does this um, mm -hmm. new paradigm of having an AMM also mm -hmm. participate uh, affect like you know price discovery? Yeah. So uh, AMM of uh, discover the price by its own reserve uh, token ratio. So it doesn't uh, have any other oracle to listen to the external price. So uh, the order, uh, the, the, the AMM price is very passive. So they provide uh, orders from their own uh, pool price at first. And then there's an order book, uh, which, which the, the price is like moving on the order book. 
And then there's a, a difference between the order book price and pool price. Then uh, this pool uh, provide liquidity, uh, which is like uh, transactable uh, within this different uh, difference area of the price. So uh, it uh, converts each other to, to become a single uh, same price. So this is like a, a continuous like convergence of price between order book and uh, each pool so that they can find the, the single price uh, equilibrium price each other. So uh, this is how uh, price discovery uh, happens within Crescent. And when, when an AMM fulfills an order in the order book, um, is that an automated, uh, how does that happen? Is it, is it written um, on, the, on the chain where there's certain criteria that uh, allow those orders to be matched? Or is that a manual process where people are acting on behalf of the AMM? Like, how does that mm -hmm. work? So uh, we have an exact mathematics uh, within the code base so that the AMM provide uh, uh, limit orders for each tick with uh, calculated amount. Uh, so this is just like other limit orders uh, from users. So, so that they are matched each other uh, as a, a limit order also. So uh, it, there's no like prioritization or there's no like uh, different uh, mechanism to match a pool orders and users order. So pools order just uh, treated as another uh, order from users and they just meet match each other uh, from the order book matching uh, mechanism. Got it. And um, what's the, um, like, when you say that there's ranged pools, is that essentially like this, the implementation of Uniswap V3 or is there a different mechanism that you guys have implemented? So the mathematics uh, behind it is uh, almost the same. Uh, but the difference is that it is uh, acting on the order book. So their liquidity is provided onto order book. So that is a difference, but the mathematics uh, can be uh, similar. Okay, understood. Um... So you you guys wrote this post about you know liquidity and efficiency and and I'd like to get your you know your thoughts about you know, how how this makes liquidity more efficient um, and if this is a model that mm -hmm. will be adopted by like if there are clearly more efficiencies in, with this model do do we think that other dexes will also adopt this this uh, this hybrid model. So uh, if you see like different AMM in Cosmos, we can see the farming rewards uh, starting from like 30% to even like more than 100%. Uh, so uh, this is uh, what it, uh, LP is demanding right now. Uh, but if you see like Uniswap uh, with concentrated liquidity feature, uh, the basic pool for Ethereum versus USDC pool uh, they have like less than 10% APY. So it means that uh, still uh, with like less than 10% APY, LP investors are might be happy or not, but they are providing liquidity with this kind of like low earning because uh, ranged liquidity, this concentrated liquidity provide users to amplify this APR uh, within their capital uh, so that they can use more strategy 
smart strategy to earn this uh, APY, uh, multiplied APY from their strategy. So uh, that is a, a very uh, great uh, improvement of liquidity providing capital efficiency, like uh, like from 100% to 10%, that is like 10 times better. So uh, we, we believe that this like 10% is not a good news for farmers, but like uh, ultimately DEX is for liquidity providing, not for farming machine. So like uh, lower uh, farming rewards, is not a bad thing for DEX. It is a good thing for DEX because they can provide liquidity with low uh, cost. So that is an efficient liquidity which can be survived in the future uh, competing with Uniswap or other uh, products. So uh, we, we are in Cosmos, so we are comparing just like DEX in Cosmos, but we need to compete with Uni Uniswap in the future. Uh, we need to compete uh, SushiSwap in the future, then their APY is like 10%. And then we need to deal with it. So we need to find better way to provide liquidity with less farming rewards, uh, but better capital efficiency. Is there an do, do market makers have an incentive? And I'm thinking more about professional market makers that can provide like a lot of liquidity. Do, do they have an incentive to put their liquidity in the AMM as opposed to uh, executing trades on the order book? Because mm -hmm. in the AMM, they can not only earn fees, but they also can participate in uh, liquidity. Um, yeah. In, sorry, in in in, in staking, perhaps uh, through liquidity, uh, st liquid staking, they can get farming rewards. Like there's all these other incentives mm -hmm. to be on the AMM. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's the what's the incentive model there? So from our inflation uh, on on the total inflation budget. Uh, we have more incentive for market maker than LP, actually. Uh, this is because we are hybrid DEX and we are focusing more on market maker incentive rather than LP incentive because LP is less capital efficient than market, professional market makers. So we, we can just compare like this. Uh, if a market maker per place like limit order of 10K uh, within uh, 0.5% price difference uh, spread, then that is like a 4 million basic pool uh, TVL, same liquidity provided. So they just spend uh, 10K, uh, but they are providing like uh, 400 times better liquidity uh, compared to basic pool. So that is why I'm keep saying basic pool will extinct in a near future, because this is like almost like unusable uh, as a capital efficiency way. So we are gradually reducing the uh, incentive for LP investors, and we are increasing more incentive uh, for market makers. So this market maker incentive will be alive uh, October this year, and then we will see much tighter liquidity uh, within the market. Mm, how, how, is, how do you implement this though? So like for, I think like for an AMM, you know, we're familiar with the model where you you, you put you put tokens uh, yeah. in a liquidity pool and then you, you mm -hmm. take the you take those to the liquidity pool tokens and you bond them and then you mm -hmm. get rewards. And so you know it's like written in the contract that yeah. what what the rewards model would be. How, how do you mm -hmm. um, 
-hmm. how do you formalize this for like market makers? Is it something that can be automated mm -hmm. or do you have to like have partnerships with, yeah. with them, like a more manual process? Yeah, so uh, we are we want to have like open participation and competition within market makers, like whether their size is big or small. Uh, we want to uh, distribute the incentive for their participation and amount of uh, liquidity provided from them. So we don't want like big market maker having all the market share for our uh, liquidity providing. Uh, so we want like uh, open competition. So that's why we are uh, creating an open source program uh, to calculate the uh, market making score uh, for each market maker so that they can, they, uh, whether they are providing like liquidity uh, with up better uptime and better spread and better depth of the amount of the uh, orders uh, so that we can combine this, all these uh, functionality so that we can have like total score of each market maker so that we can distribute uh, incentive uh, upon this. So we, we are going to open source this like uh, scoring calculator uh, and then it can be calculated from uh, blockchain data. And then uh, we can confirm this data from uh, multiple points, like our validators can prove that the result is same. And then from this result, we are going to distribute this market maker incentive by governance uh, so that the governance can uh, verify that this calculation is uh, right from our open source software. And then we can approve this distribution so it will be happen like uh, once in a month uh, so that the incentive can be distributed to all the uh, participants. Okay, very cool. Um, we got someone in the chat here, uh, Danman921 is asking this question and I was gonna ask it, I had it in my notes here, but basically like I was thinking about, you know, in, in Ethereum, we, we're, I think most people, yeah. and certainly myself, like don't use DEXs. Yeah, I don't use Uniswap or SushiSwap. Like I just go to CowSwap or Paraswap, yeah. and like, and because I know that those uh, products are allowing me to get the best price, and they're pooling liquidity from all sorts of different mm -hmm. pools. And in the case of CowSwap, like it has the added benefit on Ethereum of being MEV resistant. Um, you know, when thinking about the interchain, it the you know, maybe these products are a little bit harder. Uh, to create because we don't have the same composability as in Ethereum. Of course, like yeah. things like interchain accounts and interchain queries are going to make those that possible. Um, mm -hmm. Right, right now, like there aren't. It's not obvious to me which which products uh, you know are, are sort of like the equivalent of a Paraswap on the interchain. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that's coming though? And then if when when that comes, like how will that change your uh, you like your position in the ecosystem and sort of how would that change the Dex landscape? Uh, the interchain dex landscape so uh i i believe that they're already here like uh there there is called uh rango exchange uh who's doing yeah, like, I use that uh, product, connection yeah. of, like liquidity from like uh tens of mark uh chains and yeah. also they have like a slingshot uh doing uh on the Os osmosis and other tens of blockchains uh, but more will be coming. I, I also talked with another project uh, coming to like Osmosis and Near and other uh, blockchains uh, connected to each other. So I think like uh, within like six to 12 months, I think there will be more aggregator in Cosmos uh, space. 
connecting but, to but these so just, just is there like these products are maybe I, I feel like they're different from you know a paraswap or a one inch because they're not fully on chain are they like a rango exchange um when, when i use it uh or at least when i use it i i didn't think that this was a fully on-chain product mm -hmm. So uh, even one inch exchange is not fully on chain because the computation from front end is uh, used for finding the root. So uh, still it is like hybrid of off chain and on chain, off chain front end and on chain execution. So uh, this is same as uh, Cosmos, Cosmos, but it, the difference is that Ethereum uh, space is synchronous each other for different DEXs. But in Cosmos, like uh, if different chain has different block time, so it's an asynchronous uh, uh, situation. So you will need more time to be executed this uh, transaction. And also like uh, there will be like delay of time to confirm the uh, swap price uh, of the each uh, DEX uh, to be uh, executed. So there will be some challenges, but ultimately if we have like multiple DEX, with liquidity, uh, better liquidity for other pairs. So for this pair, Osmosis is better. For this pair, Crescent is better. Then it is smarter to use aggregator to use different exchange every time uh, when they swap because like different pairs uh, will be executed better in different block, uh, blockchain and DEX. So uh, aggregator will, um, change the competition of DEX. Uh, now, nowadays, like uh, in Cosmos, like Osmosis is the main DEX and like 90% of like Cosmos ecosystem users, they're using Osmosis front-end. But uh, in the future, like more than half of the users will use aggregator rather than Osmosis. So that other DEX like Crescent or Chain or Kujira or any other DEXs, new DEXs, can have opportunity to compete with Osmosis because this front end is shared each other uh, from this uh, aggregator. So that if you provide better liquidity, then you don't need to invite users to your front end because you already provide your liquidity well, and then it, this will be connected from uh, aggregator. So this is, this is where I see as a future uh, because users uh, deserve a better trading experience. And Osmosis uh, is not always providing best liquidity for the users. Hmm. Well, we'll talk about Osmosis in just a minute. Uh, there's another question here. Poussin is asking uh, if you're going to implement derivatives products, vaults, covered, uh, covered call vaults, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, so we see a lot of demands from users, uh, especially derivative products, but also like uh, managing uh, fund uh, from professionals. Like uh, covered calls is one of the uh, passive uh, ETF kind of uh, product so that users can have like specific uh, position uh, in the uh, uh, fund so that they can follow this like uh, benchmark of like derivative products. So uh, also like uh, in Ethereum, there are like innovation coming from managing the LP. So because there's a concentrated liquidity uh, need to be decided the range of the price for the liquidity. And then this is like subjective area. So uh, 
which range is good? It is a, a open question. And it, it, the professional manager should answer this question uh, because like individual uh, investor uh, cannot understand the quantitative thing and statistical thing around this product. So uh, there should be more service from DeFi space where uh, uh, these professionals can provide their strategy and ideas of how to manage your fund. So there will be like more demand and more product uh, coming so that your multi-DeFi position can be managed well from uh, professionals. Cool, got it. Um, interesting, I'm yeah, looking forward to seeing Derivatives products um, on more derivatives products on Crescent. Uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about you know the the competition um, and you know you mentioned osmosis and I think like mm -hmm. all the people watching here are are familiar with osmosis and probably use osmosis on a regular basis. Yeah, um, you know, uh, yeah, like Sunny, I've heard Sunny say that uh, osmosis will implement order book. Uh, an order book um, decks uh, sometime, I think like before mm -hmm. the end of this year, uh, he, he, he sort of leaked that at Nebular Summit uh, a few a few weeks ago. And, you know, a lot of the functionalities around like liquid staking, um, you also share with, uh, with Osmosis. And, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not mentioning, you know, the other DEXs or like, you know, JunoSwap or any of the any of the dexes over on Fmos, but you know, thinking mo mostly about like kind of app chain Cosmos dexes, I feel like you're you're in pretty direct competition with Osmosis. Um, mm -hmm. What's your edge here? Like, how how do you uh, compete with Osmosis, and are are you are you um, are you competing on the same types of users and, and customers, uh, or are you targeting different? Uh, different markets here like because mm -hmm. i mean it seems like i don't know exactly what the liquidity is on uh on crescent but i'm i'm, s I'm fairly confident that it's much much lower than uh than osmosis and you know to be able to it, you know when, when when you're talking about a, 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 an exchange uh, a user will also always be incentivized to go where there are, there is more liquidity so mm -hmm. what what do you how do you feel about that yeah, so I think uh, it is not a decision making, but it is more like a matter of time to improve the uh, DEX, uh, basic DEX, AMM, to uh, more uh, uh, capital efficient uh, form. So I think like decision from Sony is like very obvious thing to see because they cannot survive with this basic AMM. So they should evolve uh, as soon as possible so like implementing uh, this like range liquidity or order book is like obvious way they should follow. So uh, that is like very uh, expected uh, decision from Sunny. Uh, so uh, we, are, um, we are having a completely different direction uh, compared to Osmosis. Uh, so uh, we are uh, having a vertical integration of DeFi product rather than uh, horizontal expansion like Osmosis, having like 50 different tokens. So uh, we are having smaller number of tokens and also we are going to have more tokens, but these tokens are not native tokens, but synthetic token representing ownership of DeFi product uh, from different 
blockchains. So like tokens like uh, representing like Uniswap LP position, like tokens like uh, position of SushiSwap position, this kind of different product will be uh, listed on Crescent and we were going to provide liquidity for them. So you don't need to go to Uniswap to invest into Uniswap. You can just buy this Uniswap token in our Crescent, then you can passively invest into the LP position. So, uh, and then we can uh, make this fungible token to be used as a DeFi product so that you can collateralize this synthetic token to lend more tokens or leverage your position. So this is called a Crescent Boost. So uh, this is like a, um, in, in uh, United States, uh, the exchange have trading volume of one third of trading volume coming from ETF. So these are synthetic tokens and there will be more and more synthetic token to be traded on in blockchain. Now this is almost zero right now, but we believe that there will be like more than one third of trading volume coming from ETF. So we are uh, targeting this market. Uh, we are creating a fungible token for different DeFi product. And then we provide liquidity for this because we have better uh, technology and financial uh, analyst uh, within our team so that we can provide uh, more capital efficient uh, liquidity for these complex uh, financial uh, assets. So we are uh, expanding this area, which is, I explain it as a vertical expla uh, uh, exp uh, expansion rather than horizontal expansion. But uh, right now we are like also approaching a little bit of horizontal expansion. So we are reaching out to new project, not uh, existing project, which is already in osmosis, but uh, this like new project, which will launch their mainnet in the near future. So we are reaching out to this team so that we can have like main liquidity within Crescent so that we can provide like main liquidity for this like uh, newly uh, launched uh, project. I believe that we are, we have like more than 100 project in Cosmos. Like we will have like 300 more in next year. And then there will be like thousands more uh, next, next year. So we believe that uh, uh, in the future, we have more chance to uh, recruit more liquidity from new project. So we are uh, approaching that. So we are uh, now currently like starting our business uh, development, actually. Mm. We were developing our code base uh, until now, but now we are starting our uh, BD. So, so you mentioned that, you, know, you mentioned that uh, Crescent you know, positions itself um, as as an exchange where one will be able to trade um, more like synthetic tokens, but from uh, other chains. So things like Uniswap LP tokens and, and things of that nature. Not so mm -hmm. much, um, uh, not so much native tokens like in the way that Osmosis uh, allows you to do that. Yep. Uh, that requires uh, a ton of integration and. Uh, interconnectivity with other chains yeah. that may also exist outside of the, you know, the reach of IBC. And so, you know, one of the things I want to talk about here, because I know that you guys uh, have implemented assets, uh, um, bridged assets through Axlar. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to ask you about your vision for, you know, cross-chain bridging mm -hmm. in the next couple of years 
and how you think that's going to evolve and what is the role of you know companies and projects like Axelar uh, in, in in ensuring that like liquidity can move between chains um, mm -hmm. without risk you know less than a month ago like we had the nomad hack that yeah. uh, has yeah. left you know uh, me like quite quite significant um, dent in uh, in Evmos and, and in that community it's been very detrimental to that community you know yeah. like bridge hacks have been happening since there were bridges yeah. um, you know are, are we are we gonna look back five years from now and look at bridges as like this kind of blip of time where we we didn't have the right protocols and like thankfully that's behind us or we're going to continue to rely on bridges to provide liquidity, uh, crushing liquidity. Yeah. So I have bright, uh, future expectation about connecting different blockchain. So I believe that like, uh, IBC or expansion of IBC will connect uh, most important blockchain within two years. So that is a, a very positive, uh, future. So like after two years, like we, we, we don't um, uh, have any worry on uh, IBC right now. So we are connecting different blockchain. Maybe IBC transfer can be delayed, but we, we don't worry about the fund because like IBC created this like uh, ultimate trust uh, between uh, connecting different blockchain. And like uh, bridges, have different uh, applications and they have, they're always like upgrading their functionality, like fixing the code base. And then this is like done by humans and like humans make mistakes. That's uh, uh, like uh, an avoidable fact. So uh, if we have like different kinds of bridges uh, upgrading too frequently, uh, having more features and uh, uh, changing the features, uh, there will be more risk surface uh, to be exploited. So uh, I believe that the bridge functionality is like a trajectory utility until IBC connects all the blockchain. And then this uh, bridges should be stayed within the uh, minimal functionality to uh, transfer tokens. And then they shouldn't uh, like upgrade every month because like when they upgrade one time and then the users are having tokens within like tens of chains and these chains should review all this upgrade uh, for these bridges and it's almost impossible. So right now uh, we are reading uh, Gravity Bridge but we cannot read all the upgrades coming from Axelar. So we, are, we cannot fully trust the code base because uh, we couldn't review all of them. So uh, this is the practical uh, situation uh, with this like bridge uh, functionality and uh, we need better security than new features uh, because like token transfer is enough for Crescent and we don't need a more additional feature which will uh, make more risk uh, to the users. So we want security for the users and users only need token transfer. So we need conservative bridges and we are collaborating with Gravity Bridge so that we want to have a like safety feature within the gravity bridge. So we are going to uh, PR uh, a lot of like safety feature uh, within gravity bridge, including like a daily uh, bridge amount limitation and other like safety health 
when the uh, numbers are not right. Uh, so this is called like invariant checks. So we are going to input a lot of invariant checks that if there's like one little uh, weird numbering going on within the process, we are going to stop the bridge and investigate. So we are going to have uh, uh, proactively participate in this uh, security enhancement of bridge and uh, like persuade them not to upgrade too much. So that is uh, our approach. So you work with gravity bridge, but are, are you also are you also not working with Axelar? Yes, we are uh, oh. communicating with Axelar also, okay. uh, but uh, we still uh, cannot approach uh, proactively with this uh, project because it is upgraded uh, too frequently, and it is very difficult for us to follow up the progress. Mm. But the well, gravity bridge is very slow. So it, yeah. it matches our uh, demand. Right. One, one of the things that, you know, we've talked a lot about on this show with, with different folks is you know, the fungibility of bridged assets and the complexity mm -hmm. that, that yeah. the unfungibility of bridged assets creates, uh, you know, especially for, for an exchange where you'll potentially be listing lots of different bridged assets. Osmosis have gone, have gone one way and decided to, um put forth like one canonical bridge yeah. asset and uh, at least on their main front end and you know perhaps on the secondary like a frontier mm -hmm. front end they would have um other bridged assets yeah uh, what 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 are the what are the solutions that we have in order to make um interacting with bridged mm -hmm. assets i'm thinking like U us dollar stable coins for instance uh smoother yeah. for users and um and also improving just i think the overall like liquidity pooling around those assets yeah so uh, i believe that the responsibility of interchain decks is to provide liquidity for trading different assets uh, especially coming from different bridges also so we believe that uh, our uh, purpose of our decks is to provide uh, trading um, uh, infrastructure for trading uh, assets from different bridge, uh, including uh, Gravity Bridge and also Axelar. And then also uh, there will be more stable coins come uh, within the ecosystem, maybe like USK from Kuzira or IST from Agoric. Uh, and those tokens should be traded in one place so that users can swap different tokens uh, within one space. So uh, we are providing that infrastructure so Crescent Dex will never uh, like uh, like uh, making one bridge as a prime resource, but we are going to provide any as many as many options as possible for users, so that any users can come to Crescent to swap their assets to different uh, similar assets. Cool, cool. Um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, you know governance and particularly. Um, you know, like I, I was, I was, I noticed uh, that the Crescent only has uh, 50 validators, which, you know, for a Cosmos chain is quite unusual because you usually have like more than a hundred. Mm -hmm. And uh, also that it, uh, new validators are approved by governance. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about your, your validator um, pool and like yeah. how it's, how it's constituted? how it's, mm -hmm. it, it is, is made up yeah. and uh, 
you know, why, why this, this governance uh, proposal to necessary governance proposal to add new uh, validators? Mm -hmm. So we have very structured uh, process to uh, like have a new uh, validator in our validator set. So we are scoring this uh, with our open uh, validator scoring mechanism uh, quantitatively uh, so that it can be decided with uh, objectivity. So we have uh, uh, like um, submission of participants from validators. Now, uh, I think like this month we have like 20 something more uh, validators uh, submitting uh, to participate on our network. And then we compare these uh, validators with our open uh, uh, scoring rule uh, so that we can uh, choose like, uh, I think it was like uh, three validators. And then we have a discussion within the community uh, whether uh, which one is the best fit for our uh, chain. And then we have a uh, like governance to like vote uh, uh, three, uh, one of three validator from community. So, and then this existing validator cannot vote on this. So only holders can participate in this voting. And then uh, holders will finally choose uh, one validator who will be included in our list. So we have very like structured and like fair uh, participation uh, methodology. Uh, and the reason for this is that uh, like, uh, first of all, uh, like uh, 15 validators and 150 validators seems like a big difference. But if you see the uh, power distribution, like 30 top 30 validators have like more than 80% of power already. So it's like uh, like all the other like 120 validators have less than 20% power. So it it it's it doesn't mean much for the decentralization. Uh, from, but our validator set has a, a same validator uh, power, so that equal power for each validator. So the power is more evenly distributed uh, compared to like Cosmos Hub or other blockchain where like top three has like uh, much more power than like top uh, four to top, top 10. So uh, like quantitatively, the dis dis decentralization does not have significant difference, uh, but uh, this like a low number of validator allow us to have like better uh, resource uh, uh, for this validator operation so that we can pursue better performance for the order book uh, operation because this order book has a lot of computation, a lot of transaction to handle. So uh, it has a lot of challenge. And before we upgrade our, uh, improve our Tendermint core, uh, this uh, challenge is real and practical because we need to handle like 1000 transaction or more for each, each second. And it is impossible with this like existing Tendermint core. So uh, before, uh, until we have like better Tendermint core uh, improvement, uh, we need to uh, make this validator set as low as possible. Hmm. Any thoughts on, on this question here on, 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 on potential censorship uh, and, and front running? Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, for a lot of people maybe who are like looking at this, looking at only 50 validators uh, may, may seem um, like, you know, that's one metric I think that they look at for the for decentralization, and you know certainly the percentage 
uh, of network security that your top validators has uh, plays a big role. But you know, the number of validators, I think, also enables people to spread their uh, their delegations across you know as many validators as possible. Um, like, how do you how do you respond to the fears of um, you know collusion with validators to censor transactions? And I think this is especially relevant now. Uh, yeah. You know, given the whole thing around OFAC and yeah, in Ethereum, this is a huge problem because uh, even Uniswap providing like ten uh, percent APY, uh, you know, the just in time attack. Uh, like still all this API from big trading volumes. So uh, like actually the, the API for the uh, normal individual investor in Uniswap, they have like much less than 10% API. So that is a big problem uh, coming from Ethereum. And that is like same thing happening in Cosmos. Uh, so that is a big problem. So we uh, discussed with uh, Skip Protocol uh, who are like inventing the uh, MEV feature for the all the Cosmos chains. So we discussed about the MEV problem, but the special thing about Crescent is that we are uh, matching orders each other uh, with batch execution model, which uh, not uh, compared to other uh, DEXs having like sequentially uh, executed model. We are having like batch execution model so that all the orders within a block treated equally without any time prioritization. So uh, the, after discuss uh, MEV problem with uh, Skip Protocol team, actually we found that out that we don't have any MEV problem within our order book. So only the censorship might matter. Uh, so censorship is a big problem uh, in POS, any POS uh, setup. Uh, so we are creating a monitoring system within our team so that we can report like uh, statistical evidence of censorship or like a transaction manipulation from validator so that we can uh, provide this statistical evidence so that the probability of manipulation from this validator is too high so that we cannot risk uh, to have this validator in the future. So mm -hmm. we are going to fire him. So we are going to have a governance to fire this validator and having a new one. So yeah. this is like a uh, like a social mechanism for us to prevent this like uh, manipulation. I saw that there was a governance proposal which I thought was interesting to implement a three strikes kickout mm -hmm. policy with mm -hmm. a number of uh, the criteria for for kicking out a validator. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that? Because that, that's that's quite novel. I think I, I haven't seen any other Cosmos chains do that. And certainly, you know, implement it. Um, yeah. What 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 is this kickout policy? And it, does it also include things like uh, transaction censorship? Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, we have we need to request validators like uh, robustness of like uh, participating in the consensus and also uh, like better uptime and uh, feedback and also like governance participation. Uh, so this kind of like scoring uh, measurement will be imp uh, implemented in, into this like system so that if, if they are like uh, not participating in a good responsibility way, then uh, we are going to uh, warn them uh, to be better uh, participating. Who's we, by the way? Like, is it, is it Crescent the, the company or is, is this some sort of coordinated 
uh, effort with with governance like yeah uh that would be um coming from our team but the uh the final decision will be decided by governance so mm. we are uh, giving this like three strike and uh, we are asking governance uh, community so that our decision is right so mm. if they say it is right then we are going to uh, kick out this validator so okay. we are giving them more responsibility than other blockchain because we have tighter number of validators and their commission rate is equal to 20%, which is quite higher than other blockchain because mm. we want to commit them enough uh, return and revenue so that they can focus or more energy to the operation side so that they can have better performance than their their operation in other blockchain. Right. So so this policy, it, this 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 uh, three strikes policy, it, it's not enforced by the chain. It, it, it's more like this proposal was more like a signaling proposal for you to implement this policy. Uh, watch validators uh, signal to them when they are uh, going mm -hmm. against the policy, and then uh, Crescent, the company, would create a governance proposal when validators have. Uh, struck yeah. out three times mm -hmm. so it, it, it's more of a social uh, consensus yes. proposal than yes. an actual like on-chain mechanism for kicking out validators no. so like uh, when we launch our blockchain the first governance proposal is ethos of crescent so like mm. we're asking our uh, uh, trust from the community about our leadership and the direction of our leadership so that we can describe all these uh, like direction we are heading and like uh, ask, asking community to uh, trust on this like leadership and then uh, uh, following our leadership. And then we have like this kind of like validator uh, setup, which is also like a very um, like a abstract constitution of how to operate this like validator set. Uh, so this is more like a social engagement from our team so that we can have better communication with community, uh, what we are, we are thinking of and uh, who, where we are uh, heading to. So mm. uh, we are like uh, trying to have more com communication and more detailed direction uh, to the community so that we can uh, uh, let them know in advance before we are acting further. Uh, and we want to ask community about the opinions before we decide further. So this is how we communicate to community. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. I think it's like a cool approach to, you know, creating a very engaged uh, and responsible validator set. Um, you know, in, in terms of the, you know, the number of validators and then concentrating, like, I think this, this is like a problem in a lot of Cosmos chains, right? Like you have, you have a concentrated amount of validators at the top. Um, Crescent is no different. I think like Dokia Capital is um, like first there and they have like 8% of the chain. And then the second one also has like 8% or, or like, you know, more than five. And um, and I, I think when I was in Korea, I think I heard someone telling me about some chain adopting a mechanism where they would cap uh, the percentage of a chain that a validator could have by some, some sort of mechanism. I don't know. I don't know if you've heard of this or if you're familiar with attempts to do that, but I certainly think that that's something worth exploring. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, from, from our validator set, we are distributing uh, equally each other for the validator. So Dokia has like a little bit more because they have their own delegation, but like from liquid staking users, the, the staking is evenly distributed to validators. So like all this- For liquid staking. Yeah. Having the same power. So like mm. maximum decentralization within this 12 validator. So that is how we do it. So if we have like 30 validators, then the decentralization will be much better than Cosmos Hub actually, because we are evenly distributing this. So top first will be having only like uh, four or less power. Uh, so uh, that is uh, how we distribute, but like uh, capping this, uh, it, it is like automatically capping this, like because we evenly distribute like if we have 30 validators, then like each one validator will have uh, less than 3%. So that is like uh, just like distributing all the power uh, with evenly so that we are already capping this. Uh, so now we are capping as like uh, eight, per, 8 point some percent right now, uh, but it's not like enforced, but it's naturally distributed equally. Okay, understood. Um, maybe on, on, a, on a note to end here, um, you know, you guys did a, an airdrop uh, a couple of months ago. I somehow didn't get any of these tokens. I think, I think my atoms were unstaked for some time. <laughs> Too bad for me. Uh, but um, you know, there you you also have this uh, boost drop. Uh, mm -hmm. that people are, uh, you know, waiting for and excited about. What's the boost drop? And uh, I think I was, on the, I was on the website earlier and it still says like coming soon or something like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, boost drop should be uh, happen when the boost uh, functionality is launched. So we are going to have a condition. Uh, you will get this boost drop claimed uh, when you use uh, boost uh, functionality uh, with like investing your own tokens also. So uh, it would be more like a little bit harder a condition for you to claim this uh, bootstrap, uh, but still the bootstrap will be very exciting uh, for all the users to participate in this uh, new functionality, uh, connecting to different devices in different blockchains. So uh, I think it will be a great timing and then uh, I think more detail will be uh, announced uh, in the Cosmoverse uh, this year, September. Uh, so like uh, end of September, there will be like a little bit of detail about Bootstrap. And then like uh, uh, we are going to launch this Boost uh, October. So I think uh, at that time, you will see better detail. Cool. Well, I guess I'll see you in Colombia uh, at Cosmoverse. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Very excited for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on and, uh, you know, uh, widening my understanding of, of Crescent. Uh, I'll certainly pay more attention to it now and follow uh, the, the updates and everything. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for inviting. And if you like the content that we are putting out, there's a couple of things you can do. You can like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, we're doing um, live streams every Thursday uh, around this time. So we had a bit of a hiatus for a while, but uh, we're back on track now to do the live streams uh, every week. And you can also uh, delegate, uh, stake with 
Interop Ventures, which is uh, the staking infrastructure provider and fund that uh, that I lead. And currently, we are live on Evmos, so you'll find the uh, the stake the, the the validator in the in the description. So please stake your Evmos with Interop. Thanks again. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us on the live stream. We'll see you next week.